Money FM 89.3, best of the breakfast huddle. Money FM 89.3. Good morning. It's the Breakfast Huddle. I'm Elliot Danka. Well, today marks the first day after the circuit breaker period. Today, of course, is the 2nd June, and today is the first phase of the reopening of Singapore's economy. Well, it's officially over. Congratulations, Singapore. We have successfully stood together as a nation in this quite challenging time, and we have survived that very strict circuit breaker measures. Today, the first day of phase one of Singapore's reopening of the economy, Restrictions are still here in Singapore and they will be progressively eased in three phases. And of course, the government is looking to perhaps do a mid-June review. The idea there is uh, to see if phase two or when phase two can begin. So what will we be looking for? What is the government looking for when it comes to moving forward to phase two and perhaps later on phase three? And has Singapore found the right strategy to better detect unlinked COVID-19 cases? Well, on the line this morning to help me out with that is Mr. Lawrence Wong, Minister for National Development and Second Minister for Finance. He's also the co-chair of the Multi-Ministry Task Force on COVID-19. Good morning, Minister. How are you? Good morning, Elliot. Happy to be here. And goodbye, circuit breaker, indeed. <laughs> indeed. Uh, it has been quite a challenging time. Uh, for you, apart from losing sleep, what else have you had to sacrifice? I know you do quite a regular run, right? I'm not sure about that these days. <laughs> I'm trying my best to juggle all the different balls in the air. Yeah, and it must be quite tough. And one of the things that has been highlighted is how Singapore is moving cautiously in existing this COVID-19 circuit breaker period because there could still be hidden cases of infection circulating among the general population. Now, a couple of weeks ago, you mentioned that Singapore is developing a strategy to better detect unlinked COVID-19 cases. Could you share a little bit more about that strategy with us? And can you ever really find a right strategy when it comes to something like that? Sure. I think the key strategies to do this is to have aggressive testing and contact tracing. Because we have now learned that the viral spread occurs quite early in the course of an infection, even before symptoms develop. And that's why in settings where there is close human contact, large outbreaks can occur very quickly. And that's why we have taken the time during the circuit breaker to do two things. First, we have beefed up our contact tracing teams. And we are enhancing their capabilities through the use of technology, like the Trace Together app. And second, we've ramped up our testing capacity. Uh, we used to do about 2,000 tests a day. That was in early April. And now we are doing 8,000 a day. And we are on track to getting to 40,000 a day in the coming months. So this will give us a better ability to do more aggressive testing for suspect groups, for higher risk groups, and also to do surveillance testing in order to pick up some of these unlinked cases. We're supposed to begin this slow reopening of Singapore's economy, and we've seen how other countries, you know, the likes of South Korea, Germany, or even the United States, they have begun reopening their economy. And what we noticed is there can be a bit of a trial and error when it comes to this. Uh, could you walk us through how tricky it is and how fast Singapore plans to react? Because there's always talk of a potential second wave. Yes, it is indeed a very tricky thing to do, and you have to sort of feel your way forward. As you can see from the experience of all the countries you mentioned, uh, when they exit from their lockdowns, it means there will be an increase in activities and human contact, and that simply means there will be more opportunities for the virus to spread. So invariably, uh, you will see a rise in new infections. 
And, and that's exactly why we've decided to implement a phased approach for the reopening of our economy and society, not to open the floodgates uh, all at once. So please, please don't go out and have a big party today. Yeah, right? The circuit breaker is behind us, but we are still in uh, an exceptional situation. The virus is still circulating in our population. So we still need to take all the necessary precautions. We start easing gradually, and then we monitor the situation over the coming two weeks. And as we have explained before, if we are able through this period to keep community infection rates low and stable, then we will be in a good position to move to phase two before the end of this month. I want to get into phase two and the thinking behind that in just a while. But one of the headlines that really popped out for me, Minister, was how Singapore is prioritizing both lives and livelihoods in adopting a phase reopening after the circuit breaker. Uh, could you walk us through the thinking process of adopting a phased reopening? How can such a strategy help Singapore in fighting this COVID-19 virus? I mean, obviously, we have no vaccine available yet. So the, the whole idea with a phased approach is precisely because the virus is still with us. It's still circulating. And the more activities there are, the more contacts there are, the higher the risk. And that's why we want to be in a position where we have the capabilities through contact tracing and through testing to control the spread of the virus. So by starting and by easing in a gradual manner, we control the situation. We are in a better position to control the situation. It's in a way a process of sort of feeling your way forward. We start gradually. And as cases emerge, we make sure we have the ability to control, to quickly detect, ring fence, isolate these cases and prevent large classes from forming. And through testing, through tracing, uh, we should be able to do that. And then as we see that we have control over the infection, we have control over the situation, we can take the next step to do another round of easing. So that's the whole idea. Do it step step by step sequentially rather than open the floodgates from day one and risk uh, flaring up of the virus in a very big way. But Minister, it can be tricky. I mean, you, at, on the side, you have headlines and, you know, economists speaking, saying that, OK, it's great. A cautious reopening will help curb the spread of the virus, but it'll also delay the recovery for the Singapore economy. I mean, how hard was it for the multi-ministry task force when it came to reopening, you know, sort of resisting that urge to jumpstart our economy? Yeah, well, it is indeed something that we had deliberated over quite carefully because, as you said just now, we want to prioritize both lives and livelihoods. Um, while we are taking a controlled approach and starting with that controlled approach in phase one, I should, quali- I should say it's not a small start either because, remember, in phase one, we expect more than three quarters of our economy to resume operations. Then phase two starts potentially before the end of the month. So it's some delay, but it's not for months. It's just a few weeks potentially. If all goes well, we will open retail shops, personalized consumer services, S&B dining in. And by then, nearly all of the economy would have reopened. So we understand this phase approach takes a bit of time. There will be impact on businesses. And that's why in the recent budget, We provided more supports for businesses that cannot reopen immediately, including more rental relief, as well as support in the form of the job support scheme so that the businesses can hold on to their workers. 
Yeah, you mentioned we could hopefully see Singapore moving into the second phase of reopening before the end of the month. So just drilling down to the indications, what are we looking for, you know, uh, as some of the bright spots before we actually move into phase two? Because right now we're seeing single digit numbers where community spread is concerned. We've consistently had many days of single digit community infection numbers. And that's what gave us the confidence to get to to end the circuit breaker and to move towards this phase reopening. So what we will be looking out for over the next two weeks are the community infection numbers, the daily community infection numbers. We want to keep them low and stable. It's not just about the whether it's single digit. I think it may rise, but if we can continue to keep control over the situation, meaning to say each time a case comes up, we are able to quickly detect and then identify all the close contacts and isolate and ring fence the cluster. That should give us confidence that we are able to keep the virus under control and that should then allow us to move on to phase two. Minister, I'm getting the sense that it's this world that we live in now, it's not about getting past the virus, well, at least until we have a vaccine, but really how much control a country has over the situation. It's really just all about control then. Oh, absolutely, because uh, until a vaccine is found or until an effective treatment is found, we all have to learn to live with the virus. And this is a very infectious virus, and it can cause a very lethal disease for the elderly, in particular for vulnerable groups. So we cannot go back to life as it was um, for quite some time, and we all have to learn to adjust and adapt to this new world. And new realities. Minister, we've been talking about life post-circuit breaker and we've been talking about moving into phase two of the reopening of the Singapore economy. Let's touch on moving into phase three. And this phase is supposed to last at least until a vaccine is found. You mentioned earlier that this will be the new norm, living with the virus. And that same attitude would still be expected in phase three, I assume? Oh, for sure. Phase three does not mean going back to life before COVID-19. There will still be restrictions. We should think of phase three as a new normal, a state at which we expect to remain until an effective vaccine or treatment is developed. So, for example, we start in phase two with small groups. We might allow group sizes of uh, up to five people. That's what we say. And again, we continue to monitor the situation over time. Along the way, if we are able to control the infection, control the spread of the virus, we might have confidence then to enlarge this group to perhaps, uh, you know, from five to a higher number. Mm. And we might also allow for more gatherings of people, including in uh, places of worship, including in events. So phase two itself might take several months. And by the end of phase two, we would have reached a scenario where I think most of life would have resumed, but there will be new restrictions, be it on group sizes, on large group gatherings, and certainly safe distancing measures will now be the norm and will have to be practiced by everyone. So that's the scenario, or that's the new normal that we will be in in phase three until uh, we find a vaccine for COVID-19. It sounds like our lives or our year at least have been marked by phases now and no longer uh, important markers in life. But I'm curious, Minister, with regard to the multi-ministry task force, has the team talked about life after a vaccine is found? I mean, what does that mean for Singapore? Well, first of all, I think we 
should be realistic. Uh, uh, vaccine development is very challenging work. Uh, the good news is there is a massive global effort to develop a vaccine. Many countries, many companies are involved, many researchers are involved. Singaporean researchers are also involved in some of these efforts. So we certainly hope that there will be a breakthrough, but it will take time for any vaccine to be ready for mass distribution. No one knows exactly when, but most experts estimate it will take more than a year. Mm. Uh, and even then, that's on the optimistic side. And then, even if there is a vaccine, it doesn't mean everything goes away because uh, there is a good chance that the vaccine may not provide... I mean, there is a chance that the vaccine may not provide um, long-term immunity. There is a chance that the coronavirus will not go away. It may become another endemic disease in the human population. So I think we, we should just look at this realistically. We certainly want a vaccine to be found quickly, but there are risks and we need to be prepared mentally for this to be a long fight. It kind of sounds like, I mean, realistically, again, that even post-COVID-19, the multi-ministry task force has to kind of still exist in some capacity. Well, um, whether it's the same task force, but... Uh, or not, I can't say, but certainly, certainly the government in Singapore will have to remain focused on COVID-19 because it's even in phase three, mm. because there will still be many issues that we will have to address and we will still have to continue this task of protecting lives for Singaporeans while ensuring that we also protect jobs and livelihoods at the same time. That certainly is a reality check for all of us. I also understand, Minister, that some 20,000 foreign workers uh, were set to be discharged by the end of May. Uh, Any chance you could give us an update on that situation? And when can we expect to see them rejoining the workforce? Well, so that's the good news. We are seeing large numbers of migrant workers recovering and being discharged. So they would have recovered. They are in good health and they are ready to go back to work. We are now putting in place a new set of precautions and safeguards in the industry, particularly in the construction sector, where most of the workers are in. Most of the migrant workers who got infected are in the construction sector. So we now have a new set of precautions and safeguards in this sector because we do not want to see a recurrence of large clusters in construction. And these safeguards include measures like uh, requiring the workers working on one project to be housed together rather than across different dormitories. We are cohorting them in teams, team A, team B, team C. So we want to minimize mixing across teams so that even if there is an infected case, then at most the people within the team get infected, but you don't get a large clusters forming across multiple teams. Uh, these are very new safeguards for the uh, measures for the entire construction industry. So it's a major change, and we're working very closely with the contractors to put in place these new measures. So as and when uh, the contractors are ready with these measures, the workers will be able to resume work on their projects. 
I'm on the line with Mr. Lawrence Wong. He is Minister for National Development and Second Minister for Finance. He's also the co-chair of the Multi-Ministry Task Force on COVID-19. Minister, let's take it across the causeway. Recently, our Deputy Prime Minister and Finance Minister Heng Sui Kiat, as well as his Malaysian counterpart, Mr. Tengku Zafrul Aziz, they discuss how the economies of both countries can be steered towards recovery. Of course, this as COVID-19 restrictions are eased gradually. They've got their movement control order, I believe, will be lifted from June the 9th. How can Singapore and Malaysia help each other when it comes to recovering both economies? This is a situation where neighbours have to help each other. Oh, certainly. Both our economies, between Singapore and Malaysia, we are both very highly connected and interdependent. So it is in both our interests to continue working together, not only on the public health aspect, for which we already have a joint working group. The officials discuss cooperative measures on the public health side, but also in steering both our economies to recovery. So we would certainly want to see more resumption of trade, of travel, and this goes back to discussions we've been having on the reopening of our borders, easing of uh, travel restrictions, reopening of our borders, including potentially having green lane arrangements Mm -hmm. on both sides where we have certain protocols agreed upon for testing of travellers to ensure that they are free from the virus before they can travel. Minister, I want to get into something that's a little bit emotional for me as a Singaporean. Uh, I remember at the start of this pandemic, Singapore was touted as having the gold standard in handling COVID-19. I was very proud to see that as a Singaporean. And then, of course, we saw a number of cases starting to increase, this due to the imported cases, uh, foreign workers as well. And then we started getting to headlines for various different reasons. Headlines like sudden surge brings out the dark side of Singapore or the gold standard has lost its shine. What were your thoughts when you saw these headlines? Well, Elliot, I would say, you know, it's been more than four months since we started this fight against COVID-19. And we certainly had our share of challenges along the way, like, like countries everywhere in the world. And certainly through this journey, you will see all sorts of different media headlines and commentaries. Some are positive, some are critical. Uh, we read all of them. And if there are useful ideas and suggestions, we will consider them carefully and see how we can improve. But ultimately, I would say for all of us, certainly in the task force and all of us as, as Singaporeans, let's focus on the task at hand. Our aim is to control the spread of the virus and to ensure that our health care system is not overwhelmed and can take care of all who are infected. And, and we have seen how in other places, it can really get out of control very quickly, be it in Wuhan, in London, or mm-hmm. New York. Devastating experiences where the spike in cases exceed the capacity of the healthcare system, people do not get the care they need, and then the number of deaths rise very sharply. We have been able to avoid this outcome, and it's credit to all Singaporeans working hard together, and it's also a credit to our healthcare professionals and volunteers who have really gone beyond the call of duty and put their, their lives at risk to take excellent care of all our patients. So we just focus on this task because the fight is not over and we should all continue to rally together and work together to continue this path and ensure that we can overcome the virus together. 
But if you don't mind, Minister, and, and this really is on a more personal note, I mean, you're only human. How hard is it for you personally to balance emotion and maybe even a bit of national pride versus the importance of finding the best methods to deal with this crisis? Because, I mean, we're only human. Emotion is, it can be a very powerful thing. Sure, of course. So, so there are, I mean, emotions are certainly involved in this because the tremendous sacrifices that many Singaporeans have done in order to fight COVID-19, and you're talking about not just the medical professionals, we've also have volunteers, we have people going out of their comfort zones and doing so many things. So I think let's focus on these emotions, the fact that we are indeed rallying together, standing together. These are the emotions that should motivate us to work even harder and to see us through the next phase. We have been through some difficulties, we have been through some challenges, but the circuit breaker has worked, we have achieved results, and now we are in a new phase of reopening. And in this new phase, there will be challenges too. Like The road ahead is still very long and we will continue to see many challenges. So let these positive emotions galvanize us towards even better outcomes for the next phase. Minister, I remember reading a headline that the multi-ministry task force will show us Singaporeans how our fourth generation leaders will take the lead, you know, post-election and, and the next government and whatnot. I'm curious, though, how often, you know, when when the current crop of leaders assess their ideas, do they think about what the old guard might have done, the older leaders or even our founding Prime Minister Lee Kuan Yew? Do you guys ever think about what they might have done perhaps use it as a form of comparison or a form of check and balance? I think this is not about whether it's younger ministers or older ministers. Sure. Uh, we are all in this together and certainly from the government's point of view, we have one task force and the government is behind the task force. So this is a whole of government machinery at work. The younger ministers, the older ministers, outside of the task force, we work together as a team where there is a need, we consult them, we discuss very difficult decisions, and then in due course, we decide as a government whether or not to proceed with a decision, and then we do. It's a collective decision, and it has the full backing of everyone in the cabinet. That's how we operate. And Minister, to wrap up, do you have any words of encouragement for Singaporeans out there as we enter this next phase of dealing with COVID-19? Well, I would say, you know, we have reached the end of the circuit breaker, this is indeed a milestone, and I want to thank everyone for your sacrifices in keeping our fellow citizens safe. It's because all of us have put in the effort and the hard work and the sacrifice that we now have the ability to bring community infections down significantly. And we have also protected our seniors and we've kept our overall fatality rate low. In fact, it is amongst the lowest in the world. And we've achieved all of this by standing and working together. But as I said just now, the fight is not over. We still have a long road ahead of us. So let's continue to stay united, work together and prevail against COVID-19. This morning, I've been speaking with Minister Lawrence Wong. He's Minister for National Development and Second Minister for Finance. He's also the co-chair of the Multi-Ministry Task Force on COVID-19. Minister, thank you so much for your time and your honesty this morning. Do take care and stay safe. Thank you. Stay safe too.
This Money FM special interview was written and produced by Nadira Kamarudin. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.